While marijuana use is not allowed on MIT campus, the laws in Massachusetts have changed, and it's possible that some people might have questions about this drug. Welcome to Conversations with MIT Health. I'm Melanie Cole, and I have two guests for you today. Don Camilio, he's the Assistant Dean of Student Support and Wellbeing and the Director in the Office of Community Development and Substance Abuse at MIT, and Dr. Sean Ferullo, he's the Director of Student Health at MIT Health. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Don, I'd like to start with you. What are the laws in Massachusetts now, and what has changed? So up until this past election cycle, marijuana was illegal, right? It was illegal like it is across most of the country. Um, now within Massachusetts, it is um, uh, able to be purchased and used recreationally. So um, there's lots of different components to that. You know, Folks are now allowed to possess up to, if they're 21 years of age or older, uh, can possess up to one ounce of marijuana um, outside of their residences without penalty. They can possess up to 10 ounces of marijuana inside their, their residences. Um, they're allowed to grow up to six marijuana plants in their homes, um, and e- even able to give uh, an ounce or less of marijuana as a gift to someone else who's uh, 21 years of age or older, as long as there's no payment uh, involved. So it really has changed the landscape of sort of how we deal with marijuana. Uh, it's now really a recreational substance, you know, much like alcohol, regulated in, in similar ways. So, Don, sticking with you for a minute, now, what is the policy of MIT on campus? It's actually different than the state law. Um, So, uh, within um, MIT's properties, the properties that we own or manage, uh, it is still considered to be a prohibited substance. So, that means that even if you are 21 years of age, um, you you can't have the substance on campus, in your dorm, um, you know, in your workplace and things like that. And the reason why that is is we, we, um, we follow not just state laws and mandates, but also uh, those handed down by the federal government. And we are governed by something called the Drug-Free uh, Schools and Communities Act. And in that act, um, the federal government still lists marijuana as a, a Schedule I um, substance, which means it's still legal. And if we don't follow uh, the mandate by the federal government, we risk losing um, a, a variety of forms of federal uh, financial aid for our students and for our institution. So then, Dr. Ferullo, I'll move to you now. So tell us about how marijuana works and how it affects the brain, judgment, athletic performance, or overall health. Marijuana is a component of dried and shredded leaves of the cannabis plant. Uh, there are psychoactive properties, and the main psychoactive chemical in marijuana is um, delta-9 tetrahydrocannabal, or what's more commonly known as THC. Um, then there are other uh, cannabinoids within the marijuana plant that also have psychotropic properties. Uh, and what these do is, is impair different areas of the brain, so certainly uh, learning and memory. Uh, the ability to perform complicated work or complicated tasks can be affected. Uh, also uh, will affect and impair judgment and thinking, uh, as well as other areas of the brain, including the cerebellum and basal ganglia, which are involved in balance and posture and reaction time. So really all of these functions are, are impaired and affected by marijuana use, um, both from cognitive and learning and memory to also athletic performance and balance and judgment and reaction time as well. So Dr. Ferullo, 
you're in sports medicine yourself, so tell us about, you mentioned athletic performance, and I think this is an important thing for students to note as far as motivation to remain in athletics or to exercise or to remain healthy. Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, the, the balance issues, the uh, impaired uh, reaction time and uh, posture all factor into athletic performance. The other pieces that we also worry about how marijuana would be used. So if someone is primarily smoking marijuana, we then worry about the uh, inflammatory effects on the lungs, which might also then add to asthma-type symptoms, bronchitis, breathing issues, so that not just the neurologic impairment within an athletic performance, but then also some of the cardiovascular and respiratory issues that might come out of it as well. So then what about the Institute's Good Samaritan policy, Don? What, what is that, and how does that relate to marijuana? Sure, yeah, the, the um, Good Samaritan amnesty policy was something that was put into place to help ensure that folks who might be experiencing uh, alcohol or other drug-related overdoses were getting the help, mainly the emergency medical help that they needed. And so the policy is set up in such a way that if a person is experiencing these types of um, symptoms and outcomes, um, if, if someone reaches out, if a student reaches out on, on behalf of their peer to get them help and get them um, services that they need, neither the person who calls nor the person who needs the service um, will be uh, experiencing any of the typical conduct repercussions that come along with the violation of a policy. So what it's meant to do is really reduce barriers to help-seeking behaviors and get people to, to get the help that they need immediately for people who, who need it. And Don, as long as it is legal now, and you mentioned regulated, is there a way to know if students purchase it, if it's clean, not laced with other substances? How does that work now? Yeah, I think... I think things are going to change. There, there traditionally hasn't been a method by which you would be able to know those things. I think with the new marketplace being open and it being able to be purchased legally, I think there are going to be different types of um, services that come into play that will help us know that. So right now there is none. Um, but I think there, from what I've read, there are a number, a number of different companies that are looking to be able to provide um, tests that help people to understand you know, the amount of tetrahydrocannabinol in the substances, as well as whether or not they're pure or if they've been adulterated in any way. And as a substance abuse professional, Don, tell us about how somebody would know if they've had too much. Is there too much? Can you abuse marijuana, and is there an emergent situation that might come up? Yeah, I mean, what we've seen is a couple of different things. I mean, traditionally, we haven't seen a whole lot in the way of physiological dependence being developing uh, among people who are even um, frequent marijuana users. However, we have seen a lot of psychological dependence. And so when people start to see um, diminishments in other areas of functioning, such as their academics, their finances, their social relationships, and things like that, that those are really good indicators that it would be a, an idea that they should reach out and maybe talk to somebody about, um, about reducing some of their use in order to get those things under control. Um, in terms of risk for... Um, you know, negative outcomes, and when there's like a, with alcohol, there's pretty clear lines about when someone is, is intoxicated to the point that they need to, to get some services. You know, with marijuana, it really comes down to if the level of impairment that the person's experiencing is causing them to make poor decisions and their judgment is so impaired that they're engaging in behaviors that can cause issues, such as operating a motor vehicle or things along those lines. Um, 
unlike with alcohol, we don't have like a blood alcohol concentration calculator for marijuana yet. So we can't tell people, if you're at this number, you should experience these things and these things are worrisome. With marijuana, we don't have the technology yet. But again, I think the market is going to come around and, and help us develop um, tools to, to better articulate when those, when those situations arise. Dr. Ferullo, how would somebody know, as, as Don mentioned about driving and other activities, if one glass of wine doesn't mean that someone is too drunk to drive, what about edibles and such or smoking a joint? How would somebody know that they are impaired? And tell us a little bit about edibles and are they different? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think that's not only a question that many of us in the medical field have, but also a lot of law enforcement as well. Historically, with marijuana being illegal, there's not really a lot of research has done with mentioning on, you know, uh, blood levels and what levels are okay and which aren't. Uh, edibles are essentially uh, ingestion of the uh, marijuana. They can be either oils or powders that can be mixed in with other food products and, and eaten and ingested. Typically, they have the same psychotropic effect as being smoked. They may be a little longer time to onset of action through the digestion, but essentially it is still marijuana use and all the same effects would, would still be uh, experienced. Um, in terms of knowing how much is too much to drive, I think the safe thing at this point is probably similar with alcohol. If someone has used any, they should probably refrain from operating a motor vehicle to be on the safe side. We clearly know that there is impairment of judgment and reaction time with use of marijuana, so I think playing uh, more on the safe side is what would be strongly recommended. So, Don, I'm going to give you the wrap-up here. What you want people to know and what you want students to know about the new laws in Massachusetts as the director in the Office of Community Development and Substance Abuse at MIT, please let the students listening what, know what you want them to know about the use of marijuana on campus and off. Yeah, I mean, I think the big takeaways are that, you know, despite the, the law changes that have occurred in the state, MIT still handles the substance as a prohibited substance. However, what we want folks to know is if they are engaged in use, um, if they are experiencing negative consequences related to their use, we want them to come in and, and, and talk to folks within the Office of Community Development and Substance Abuse to get services. Um, we don't want people to experience those negative outcomes. We want them to be well. And if they ever have an instance where... Um, the, the use of marijuana is leading to, um, you know, a, a reaction where people are concerned about the person's health or well-being. We really want them to seek out help. Um, you know, call 617-253-1212. Let a medical professional come out and, and do an evaluation and ensure that the person's okay. Because, you know, we have this great Good Samaritan Amnesty policy here at MIT that pr protects people from, you know, experiencing, you know, some of the conduct consequences. And, and we really want people to take care of one another. Thank you so much for being with us today, gentlemen. Listeners can visit health.mit.edu for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. That concludes this episode of Conversations with MIT Health. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other MIT Health podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for joining us today.